Welcome everyone to Coffee and an Interview. I'm Jacqueline Pena, and I'm here today with Nicolette Chinomona, who is a business coach and is going to talk to us about a lot of great things about understanding business and ourselves. So Nicolette, welcome to the show. Thank you so much for having me. It's such a pleasure to be here with you. I'm, I'm actually really excited that you're here with us today because you take quite an interesting approach to business coaching. And I want to turn it over to you to tell us a little bit about yourself and the work that you do. Awesome. Thank you. Um, so basically, I'm a business coach. Uh, my major in university was in entrepreneurship, and then I went on to get an MBA. And um, I've always been a very creative person. You know, um, being creative has been something that's very uh, intuitive and instinctive for me. And one of the things I discovered when I was in university is that, you know, creativity can actually be learned, which was wonderful for me to find out because, you know, if you're a creative person, one of the things you often encounter you know, people who don't feel like they're creative saying, you know, I wish I was like you, I wish I could do this, I wish I could do that. But until you know that people can learn to be creative, you don't really have a good answer to that. It's kind of like, oh, you know, thanks for the compliment. I don't know how to help you like after that. But then, you know, when I discovered, you know, through my university studies on creativity and innovation, that creativity is something that people could actually learn that was very multifaceted. I immediately thought to myself, you know what? I would like to start a business that helps people discover their creative talents, especially people who want to start businesses. And, you know, really when you look into the whole work around helping people become more creative, developing their ideas or their concepts a lot of it has to really do with helping people discover who they are as people uncover you know talents that they don't even know what talents they just think you know well that's just something that I do so one of the things that I do and I'm working with people is also have very heavy emphasis on helping them you know figure out they are figure out okay what are your strengths what are your weaknesses and then how do you then apply those strengths and weaknesses to your business because anyone who's running a business knows the major thing that will either derail you or help you succeed is yourself and if you don't even understand yourself then you're in very big trouble basically yeah yeah, it's very interesting because when we talk about starting businesses or growing businesses, we never talk about the business owner or founder. We're always talking about what's your niche? What are you selling? What's your product? What's your service? How are you going to market? And we completely forget the person behind it all. Uh, so, you know, tell us a little bit more about that. Why is that so important to understand yourself as a business owner? Well, I think it's really because, you know, okay, so as the business owner, you are the key asset that your business has. So whether you have got lots of money to start your business with, whether you've got contracts, whether you've got partnerships, at the end of the day, you're literally the glue that holds everything together. And if you don't understand yourself, then you're not going to be able to pinpoint or identify particular areas in which, you know, you might be dropping the ball because maybe they're, you know, inherent to your personality. Uh, one of the things I'll give myself as an example, you know, I did a temperament test, so I'm sanguine choleric. My sanguine is more than my choleric um, out of the four temperaments. These are my two dominants. So these different temperaments actually have different strengths and weaknesses. And one of the weaknesses of being sanguine is we are so talkative. We talk too much. And while, you know, some people are introverted or like, oh gosh, I wish I could just talk and talk like you, then my business would probably flourish and I'll network all the time. And I'm like, no, it can actually become a weakness because sometimes you talk people's ears off and they're actually ready to give you money. But 
you're still talking. So being able to understand myself in terms of understanding my temperaments and the weaknesses and the strengths that come with it have been able to really help me notice what I'm about to derail myself. Um, one of the weaknesses of being sanguine as well is being very impatient. So when I find myself like just, you know, chomping at the bit, that's when I'm like, okay, you know, this is a, this is your temperament thing coming out. And maybe, you know, this is a time when, you know, you should find a way to either get out of the situation that you're in before you lose it or find a way to kind of change the situation. And also in the same vein, when you know your strengths, then you can leverage those strengths. You know, one of the strengths of being sanguine is that, you know, we're people people you know we just we find it so easy to make friends chat talk network navigate different social situations and to be honest that's really important for me as a business person that I know that and I can leverage that and then obviously with let's say my less dominant temperament which is being choleric one of the strengths that a choleric has is that we're very quick and decisive you know so if a decision needs to be made you know it's not going to be like oh what am I going to do what am I going to do it's like okay this is what I'm going to do and I'm just going to go for it so it's very important that you understand yourself and I always say to people being an entrepreneur is traumatizing it's so difficult it's very very difficult it's like it is it is it is like having a child but the child can very suddenly just die when it's a business so it's a very long and arduous and very traumatic um you know experience that you go through very few people start a business put some money in and suddenly it's just like success you know um and part of surviving this, this trauma, this, uh, this constant state of alertness or this constant state of worry that you have to be in is, you know, understanding even how you cope you know, with stress uh, and, and how you make decisions. And, you know, there have been times and I've had to look at myself and say, you know, Nicola, part of being choleric is, you know, you just push through and you do stuff, but you're actually about to burn out. And perhaps you need to just take the, you know, take, 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 you know, your foot off the pedal and just relax a bit. So it's like, I feel that my understanding of who I am as a person, my strengths and my weaknesses has allowed me to remain sane. As, as, as far as, as sanity is possible in my situation as an entrepreneur. Yes. These are, you just share so many amazing things because you started talking about strengths and weaknesses, understanding them, using them, learning from them. Uh, you talked about having a business being traumatic, like giving birth to a child. Child that could die at any point because a business might not survive. And we know the statistics are a little bit different in each country, but we know that um, many businesses do not survive after five years, small businesses. Mm -hmm. And this idea of burnout, I love this idea of using your strengths, understanding them and uh, in, in play with all of this, but also your weaknesses. And as you build your team, I'm thinking, wow, if I know that this is my weakness, I can work on my weakness. I can learn these skills and work on it while I'm building a team that supplements my strengths and my weaknesses so that together we're even more powerful in this business. Definitely. Um, part of my hiring process with my team is I make everyone do a temperament test. I'm always like, well, first, I want to know what demons you have. <laughs> so let's, let's figure this out. <laughs> you know? But I also tend to find that um, I, I had a, an amazing um, program manager about a year ago. She, she has since moved on. But I specifically chose her because, you know, she was very, very, um, she was very stern. You know, if, if she said she's going to do something, 
thing. Then no matter how wishy-washy I was about it, she'd be like, Nicolette, you said you're going to do this. So you're going to do this. So it was often like, you know, when she would walk into the office, I'd be like, oh my gosh, the boss is here. You know, even though I'm the owner of the company, but she really kept me like on the straight and narrow because she really um, complimented my more sanguine part, which is just like, oh no, let's worry about that later. Oh, let's do that later. And she was like, no, this is what we're going to do. And you're going to do it now. And I was like, oh my God. So whenever people would come in and they're like, oh, we're looking um, for the, we're looking for the owner of the business. I'll point her and I'm like, talk to her. She, she's the boss around here, you know? And it was amazing because she's, she was all of 22 years old, but she was so, so organized, um, so knowledgeable, so focused. It was absolutely amazing. That you just spoke to the beauty of using this for a team, but you keep talking about temperament tests. And um, I think it's something a lot of us don't do. Can you tell us a little bit more about what are some of these tests that we can use to understand our temperament, strengths and weaknesses? And, um, you know, any information about that that we might not know so that we can start using it? Oh, no, definitely. So basically, I think um, psychological testing or psychometric testing has been around for a very long time. Um, and people kind of vary in terms of their opinions on whether or not it can be considered like just like a conclusive science, a conclusive fact. I always tell people when they're doing these tests that, you know what, to be honest, there's no right or wrong answer. So don't, you know, when you're answering the questionnaire, kind of look at yourself, you know, there'll be a, a like, there'll be a word, like it'll say egotistical, rate yourself on a scale of one to five don't be like oh my gosh I don't want to put that on egotistical you know and then like one you know I'm not egotistical it's very important for you to actually just be honest because it's just who you are you know so what I like about a lot of these tests is that you know they allow us to pause and actually think about ourselves because I think when as we go through life and we're just being us you know we just move through the world and just on average, just react whatever, you know, way that we feel we should react at the moment. So I find that, you know, when we go through like things like personality tests, temperament tests, that allows us to pause and just figure out and kind of notice patterns. I'd say at the very least, the tests will help you identify patterns. And I always say, even when I go in with my clients and say, okay, fine, um, you've done the temperament test, here are lists of um, strengths and weaknesses. Which ones do you feel apply to you? There's no one who said every single weakness in this temperament applies to me because again, they're four temperaments. So just a bit of a description of them. I would say, okay, so the four temperaments are the, the sanguine, the choleric, the phlegmatic, and the melancholic. So the way that I usually describe them to people who are not really familiar with them is, you know, when you think of choleric, think of lions, you know, very large, in charge, decisive, you know, you're going to follow me, I'm the leader. When you think of sanguine, think of monkeys, it's just like fun, 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 fun all day, fun all year round, let's just party. When you think of melancholics, you know, think of Eeyore, you know, they're donkey types, just like, oh, that you know very emotional very emo uh very sensitive when you think of phlegmatics think of bees or ants so very very um structured organized um i once heard this amazing description of the temperaments that you know there was like a teacher who had a kindergarten class and she gave them some putty some clay and she said you know i want you guys to construct a toy soldier and then she gave each group 
um, this this clay dough. And then she went and then, you know, she came back and then, you know, she, she goes to the sanguine table. There's no clay on the table. And she's like, where is the soldier and they're giggling and she's like where's the soldier and then they look up at the ceiling and she realizes that all the clay is on the ceiling so that's just a really good example of like how sanguine was just like all about playing um she went to the choleric table and these kids had basically not just on a soldier they had an entire battalion they had an entire battle plan of how they're gonna attack and take over everything she went to the melancholic table the, the dough was still in the center of the table um but the kids were crying they're like why should they be war why do we need soldiers this is just you know this is just sad we should all just get along and then she went to the phlegmatics table and they were painting on the buttons of their toy soldiers because that's how detailed they are so um, the test that I use with my clients is basically based on one by Tim LaHaye. He has one. Um, so if you just search for the author Tim LaHaye and temperament test, you should find one that you can print off. Or I can also um, give you at the end of this uh, podcast a link to where you can take um, the one that I have. And then afterwards, you can always just email me the results and then I can have a discussion with you about it. But yeah, it's basically just, you know, kind of taking some time to figure out where a lot of your behavioral patterns kind of follow. Again, it's not going to be a definite thing, but when you can notice small things, you know, it, it helps you grow. Like if you just notice by yourself, you know what? Sometimes I think I'm just a little bit impatient. Maybe I should work on that. I know that when I was 14, I noticed, um, I think it was, it's, it's either both, it's either both my sanguine or my choleric because both of them can do this. But when I was 14, I noticed that if I was in a group with my peers, I could easily convince them to do what I wanted to do, you know? So it's like, if people are like, oh, you know, let's, let's have pizza. Let's go for burgers. I'd be like, you know, what? I think pizza is a great option. And here's why pizza is great. And everyone would follow me. Mm -hmm. And then, you know, I came to the realization that I didn't want to be that person that always, got people to do what they wanted and so even from the age of 14 you know I, I kind of noticed this pattern in my behavior and I thought you know what I, I want to become more of a team player and so I would then make a conscious decision that when I was in a group even though I did think I was right most of the time it's just part and parcel of being choleric you always think you're right it's like okay so what do you think what what would you like us to do inside of me oh my god like I should just tell everyone what to do it's like no tell me what you think you know so yeah it helps in that way that's a great example of using this information for team leadership and for leading groups but I love the explanation with the kindergarten class because it really helps me understand what you mean when you're talking about these four temperaments and how they relate to our personalities and for all of us when we're starting a business we're not thinking about these things. And I know this is part of your business coaching. Start with the business owner. You're the greatest asset, as you said. And so then from there, looking at what your business looks like. Before we jump into the business side of it, now that we're transitioning out of the business owner, just so our listeners know, all the links to these resources will be in the episode description. So just scroll down, check out the description, and you'll see all these different links so you can access them right away. But um, Nicolette, moving on from the business owner. So you do this great work with the business owner. I, as a business owner, I, I definitely need to do this. I'm, I'm a little late in the game, right? The business is, has been running for almost two years. And now I'm thinking, gee, I need to understand myself better and, and see how that relates to how I run my business 
and what my business looks like and how it's growing. Um, how do you do this with your clients? Because you start with the business owner and then how do you morph into this concept of let's start thinking about how to start a business? What kind of business? How should you run this business? Okay, so like you said, I start with the owner because typically what, what I try to avoid is have like a very long coaching process. So I have a coaching and consultation process. The coaching part really focuses on the business owner. Like you said, we look at your temperament. We also look at your life purpose. What do you feel the purpose of your life is? And does that align with your business? Um, because that will affect, you know, how, you know, your business and your life gel together. At the end of the day, the two things are basically symbiotic. And then I also look at, you know, what are your motivations? Like, what did you start the business being motivated by if you've already started the business? And what are you motivated by now? And it's important for most people to really take a in-depth look at this because at the end of the day, like I said, it's going to be tough. It's going to be traumatic. So you better be doing it for the right reasons. Otherwise, it's going to be like, oh my gosh, you know, I'm ready to just quit everything. And then the last thing, the fourth thing that I do focus on in terms of the owners, looking at the exit plan, like how are you planning on getting out of this business? Because you're going to get out of it, whether uh, you're going to die or, you know, it will fail or something, but you need to have a plan of how you're going to get out of it. I think a lot of people say, well, you know, I'll run it until I die. Then it's like, okay, so, okay, now you're dead. No more business. What happens to the clients? Like, is it just, well, she's dead. Oh, we buried her. Oh, so sorry. Uh, goodbye. Farewell. It's like, you need to have a plan. If you're planning on your kids or your family inheriting it at some point, then you need to actually know that right now so that you can actually start building that into how you run your business and you set up those systems. If you're planning on reselling, also build that into your systems. Now, in terms of the consultation part, that tends to be a, a 10 um, session program where basically we go into analyzing the business, your concept or your existing business by going through the development of business model canvas. So business model canvas is basically like a one page diagram that basically outlines how you're going to be running your business, what you're going to be selling, how you're going to make money and what you need to actually run your business. So again, the amazing thing about this tool is it's on one page. It doesn't have to be very complicated. It doesn't have to be very intimidating. And um, also, you know, it's not as long as let's say doing a business plan and you can use it as an auditing tool. So basically you can do a business model canvas even way after you've started your business, just to take a bit of a look of, okay, where is my business right now? What am I doing? And then, you know, take a fresh sheet and say, where would I like to be? And kind of compare the two. So most of the clients that I work with, to be honest, a uh, majority of them have already started a business. It's just like, it's not working, Nicola. I don't know why it's not working. And I always say, well, can we start from the foundations? Because a business model canvas will basically help you with the foundational aspects of it. Mm -hmm. It's very interesting because the, the first thing I noticed, as you said, business model and one page and not business plan. And then I'll, I'll talk a little bit about this process you already started outlining. But I think a lot of us who are not as experienced in business as that first business, we keep thinking, oh, we need an intricate business plan. It has to be 10 pages. I need a page on this and a page on that and a page on that. And just this concept of a business plan overwhelms us. And I think that we lose sight of the actual work we're trying to do in conceptualizing the business. So I like this approach of a business model versus a business plan as you're conceptualizing your future business or conceptualizing what your current business could look like? 
Definitely. Um, you will never catch me writing a business plan because I don't have time for that. I do not have time for that. It's like, who has time for that? And, and I actually have all the skills to actually complete one, but it's like, I'm not going to put myself through that. No. Um, and I find that most of the clients that I work with do not have a background in business. That's the amazing thing about starting a business is that, you know, you can start with just a skill, a passion, um, something that you love to do. And, you know, you figure that you want to make money doing this. Uh, and, you you can actually have a reasonable level of success if you actually just say you know what look it's money in it's money out it's just that at particular times you may find out that you know what I feel like there's some concepts that I'm not really tying together and it's making me lag in my business so what I like about the business model canvas is that it's very accessible even to people who do not have a business education you know because a lot of people be like oh I don't have a business education you know maybe I'm just going to stumble and fumble through running my business but with the business model canvas you know you don't need to, to to know a lot of jargon or anything that's really complicated I even have a really like short like one hour course on Udemy that's free that you can take that basically takes you through the entire business model canvas and you can just take that one hour and then just you know go off and do extra research but it really lays down the foundations which I think is is what's really important and when it comes to business plans to be honest if you're going to do a full business plan you cannot do it without the help of other experts because you know you're going to need to do financial projections you might need to do marketing projections as well sales plans and that stuff that you know you might be like gosh I'm an engineer I don't know about this like how do I figure this out you know but with a business model canvas it's really much more simplified and and just gives you that kind of like starting point that 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 doesn't discourage you you know because I think we already get overwhelmed when we're trying to think of a new business idea you know you get this idea then you research, you research, you research, and then you start trying to work on it, and then it's not working, and then you get frustrated. So imagine now if you have to write like a 20-page document of this plan, which to be honest, you're not really going to use. I mean, the average person starts a business by themselves as a solopreneur, so you're not really going to use the entire plan, to be honest. And I think having a model, a basic plan is important, but you're right. I started this last business as a solopreneur, and now it's grown to a team. And even in that sense, you, you need to know the direction you're going in. You need to know what you're offering, how you're offering it in terms of a business, but you don't always need the full business plan unless you're looking for investors, major investors mm -hmm. or something like a large scale restaurant or something of that sort. So I, I do love that you differentiate uh, between these two things and that you start working with the business owner first and understanding that, you know, understanding ourselves and then moving to, um, okay, now let's look at your business. What does your business look like or what will it look like? In terms Definitely. of, yeah, so I mean, it's, it's it's a fabulous process. And then in terms of, it's a fabulous process because we tend to leave out the business owner most times and yet the business owner is a key asset. <laughs> so in terms of the coaching you do with the small business component, the consulting, can you tell us a little bit more about what are the keys to success in starting a business or growing a business, reconceptualizing or growing a business. You already started talking about um, a little bit about succession planning and, and long-term pieces. You talked about the business model. Is there anything else that's important in this process? Mm -hmm. 
I would say that you need to take time to strategize. Um, and that's another reason why I like the business model canvas is because it, 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 it forces you to take a bird's eye view of what's happening. Because any business owner you speak to will tell you that, you know what, they are just, you know, you wake up in the morning and then there's just a list of things. And then you're just like trying to check off, exactly trying to check off that thing, check off that thing, you know, so you can get through this list as quickly as possible. And I always say that it's important for entrepreneurs and business owners to differentiate between meaningful work and busy work. So busy work is that stuff, you know, that is that to-do list, that is, you know, the, the phone calls to be made, the emails to be responded to, you know, this is the, I guess I would say that very reactionary type of stuff. And then meaningful work is when you actually take the time to pause and ask yourself, am I going in the right direction? Where am I going? Where did I start? Am I still going in that direction? Because I think we get so overwhelmed, you know, just being pulled in many different directions that a lot of the times you don't stop to actually say, okay, I'm clearly very busy, but is my busyness meaningful in any type of way because when you don't take that step back you don't give yourself an opportunity to figure out okay you know maybe I should try a different strategy maybe there's another area of, of something that's not working I'll give an example that one of the things that I, I do when I'm coaching is we do a lot of creativity exercises and one of the exercises is called the five whys so for instance uh, you'll be like oh a client has you know has ended a contract you need to ask yourself why and then it'll be like well because you know they were unhappy okay why because their deliveries kept being late why because the car broke down why because we haven't been putting money aside to do car repairs so it's very important that you know you take the time to actually take a deep dive into some of these issues versus just you know reacting you know there are certain times and you know there's a lot of chaos happening around and I just I just like I stop and I'm like no I'm not going to react to this okay something's going to burn it's going to burn but I need to pause and figure out why what has happened is happening so that it doesn't happen again and I mean even if you just um, take time once a year um, to say okay I'm going to do an audit of my business you know maybe fine you're not going to do a financial audit very complicated but you're just going to say okay um, in, in, in the five areas of my business whether it's sales marketing um, events whatever it is what were all the things that went wrong and just make a list of all the things that went wrong that you remember going wrong in each of those particular areas and then you ask yourself after you've done that exercise how can I prevent that from happening again you know and then you start working some of those things out into you know the plans that you have for the rest of the year so I find this a very good exercise to do at the beginning of the year you know because typically at the end of the year we're all rushing and pushing just to get to the finish line so it's very important to do that. At the same time, you ask yourself, what are all the great things that happened this year? And then ask yourself, how can I replicate that so that it happens again? Mm, these are um, great points that you're making about taking time to strategize. And I think a lot of us are in the go, go, go mode when we launch a business. And um, some of us love our to-do list. I'm one of those, but they are very reactive. They are um, the things that maybe I could delegate or maybe things I do need to do, but are not truly working on the business. They're just working for the business. And I think as small business owners, we have to remind ourselves, schedule that time to strategize, to think, to do internal audits, marketing, products, services, clients. And I know financial financials scare a lot of us, but it's important to understand what's coming in and what's going out to see if in terms of profit, 
it makes sense. And that includes your own payroll because you have to pay yourself as a business owner, but you have to pay everyone else who works with you. But I, I do love the strategy audit. I went into finance by mistake, but let's go back to strategy mm-hmm. for a moment. Business strategy. So we don't scare people on the money part. <laughs> mm-hmm. But I mean, it's so important. Um, I was talking to a client recently um, and I was uh, trying to, I was explaining to her how to do a, a statement of profit and loss, basically figure out um, how much money you've made and, you know, take out all the costs. And she was like, oh, this is very complicated. I was like, it's not actually, it's, it's, it's quite simple, but don't get intimidated by it. And I think what happens is that, you know, a lot of people, and I, I think maybe this is just because, okay, this is, if, if you're a math teacher and you're watching this, please forgive me, but math teachers tend to be a lot more boring where I'm from. They're not very exciting. And so because of that, you know, uh, a lot of people grow up just, you know, really uncomfortable and overwhelmed by math. And so when it now comes to finances, you know, when it comes at looking at money, at your bank statement, at figuring out how much money you've made, a lot of people just prefer not to do that. And to be honest, look, I mean, I have a whole MBA. I do not enjoy doing the financial part, but I do it. I'm just like, you know what? I really need to just see what's happening here, you know, because like you said, the, the parts of running a business, you know, it's just one thing after another thing. So you'll find yourself spending money, spending money, spending money. And then, you know, maybe at the end of the month, you know, you're like, oh, wow, you know, I had like 10 clients and I made X amount of money. But when you're looking at the bank, it's like, oh, there isn't that much like mm, what's happening here. And but then you're too intimidated to go in and say, oh, but, you know, um, one of the things I didn't do is maybe I didn't include this expense or that expense. I'll give an example. A lot of people who are working from home, uh, let's say because of COVID or because your business doesn't need you to have a storefront, don't include rent as part of the costs that their business incur because they're like, well, I live here. And it's like, well, your business needs to pay rent. Um, as much as it's in your house, your business needs to pay rent because let's say you expand one day and you need to rent out a place. Then what are you going to do? Are you going to attempt to raise your prices? I mean, your customers are going to be like, wait, why are you doubling your prices? And you're going to be like, well, I need to pay rent now. They'll be like, that's not my problem. So these are some of just the the little small things that, you know, we don't really look at or consider, but very important long-term success. That was a great point too, because I think a lot of us start out of our homes, garages, basements. My business runs out of what used to be my dining room. It's now an office slash workspace. And so it's measured by square footage. If you're in the U.S., you uh, for your tax, you know, for taxes, you have to measure your workspace to claim your office space. But um, I think a lot of us don't realize if we don't take into account how much that rent really costs in looking at our products and services, we're not going to price correctly for us to be able to make a profit. Yeah, definitely. So I, I have a list of lessons that I've been learning in this session, uh, and I want to go into strategies, tips, advice um, for two groups as we uh, start closing up our, our interview to kind of summarize. The first group is those who are thinking about starting a small business. So they're at that conceptualization level. And, and the other group is those who already have a small business and I'm it might be thinking about uh, reconceptualizing it, growing, making a shift, or just need to take time to strategize and see, am I, am I moving in the right direction? So we have those who are in that phase of thinking about a startup and those who are, have already started. So for those who are thinking about starting, what are some tips or advice based on everything we've discussed that you can share with those individuals? 
Okay, so this is what I would say. Um, if anyone's thinking of starting a business, I, I feel like you need to be very realistic. And, you know, everyone talks about how most businesses fail within the first year and, you know, most don't even make it to 10 years. I think it's important for you to consider that. And I'm not saying it's that I'm trying to burst your bubble or anything because, you know, I'm a cheerleader for people starting businesses. I'm like, you're like, you have an idea. Let's start a business. You're a start a business. Talk to me. Let's talk about it. But it's important to be realistic. And part of that is very having very advanced financial planning if you're able to. And what I'm talking about is having like a six months um, emergency account. That means that if you start your business and you don't make a sale within the, the first six months, then you have that covered at the very least. And I know some people might be like, you know, Nicolette, that's a lot, then I might as well not start. I'm just saying it would be a good thing to do, especially if you already have a job. If you have a job, save up that money. So you're not just saving up money to start your business. You're also saving up money to provide you security just in case anything happens. And I tell you that even as somebody who's been running a business for five years, that's something that I still do. I have an emergency account for six months in advance. I am building a six month pantry. So that if anything happens, you know, God forbid I can't work or or something occurs that I know that, you know, for the next six months, I have something to do. I have a plan to make, you know, because as much as you want to share, you know, start your dream and, and start your business and, and share what you have with the world, you still need to be responsible. And this is, I think, you know, something that a lot of uh, people, you know, tend to look at entrepreneurs and say, you know, those guys are risk takers um, and they're mm -hmm. irresponsible, you know, especially if you have people that rely on you, if you've got a family, um, if you've got a partner, heck, even if you've got a pet, at the very least, make sure you got six months of dog food there, okay, at the very least, just in case anything happens. So take very careful um, financial planning into consideration. I definitely believe that if you've got an idea and you're passionate about it, start the business. I love that. Again, do a business model canvas because once you've done that one sheet, it will really help you crystallize what your idea is or if what you've been thinking will actually work out that way because you know business model canvas basically has nine sections it looks at you know what's the value that you're giving it's not asking what you're selling because lots of people are probably selling what you're selling but what makes you different why should people choose you it has a customer section which focuses on who's your segment how are you going to reach out to them how are you going to build relationships with them it has an infrastructure section that looks at what are the key activities what are the key things that you're going to have to do on an ongoing basis to keep your business running once you have those you look at okay how do you even get these things like done you know what are the resources that you need is it money is it people is it tools is it equipment you know and then you look at your partners like there's no business that is an island even if you're a solopreneur you need other people to participate with you and in, in, in developing your business you might not have the time or the capacity to deliver your own products that means you're going to need a partner or a service provider that delivers your products you might not have the time to do your own accounting so you might need a service provider that will help you do the account. So it's like, okay, who are the people that I need that will help my business become successful? Then there's obviously the financial end where you list all your costs. Like, what is this going to cost? What is it going to cost on a fixed term basis? So um, fixed costs are costs that don't change at all. That means every month they're the same. So that would be your telephone contract, your electrical bill, your rent, for 
instance. Um, and then you look at costs that might change, might go up and down. This could be design costs. This could be the cost of gas that you put in your car. But it's important to think of every single possible thing that you might have to spend money on, like down to the T. And then the last section is a revenue section where you say, okay, how's the money going to come in? So is it, am I selling something? Am I renting something? You know, am, am I giving something away? And then, you know, in giving it away, there's an advertising opportunity. So you really need to think of all the various ways that money can come in. And so once you finish that business model canvas, then it gives you a bigger picture. They're like, okay, I, I think I kind of see what my idea looks like. And the great thing about the business model canvas is that you don't have to apply to your whole business. You can also apply to particular products. If you want to launch a new product, you're like, I have this idea, maybe, then you can do a business model canvas off of that. And for people that are already in a business, look, it's 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 a great tool to, you know, kind of come back and, and kind of like look and see how far you've come. But the other thing I'll say just in passing um, about people that are already in businesses, there's something called a sunk cost. A sunk cost is when you have put or invested money into something and it hasn't worked out, but you are so afraid of letting go of that investment that you keep pushing in that direction because you're like, I already put $5,000 into this. I need to keep on trying with this thing. It's like, no, the money's gone. It's a sunk cost. And I find that a lot of times business owners have this feeling that, you know what, the direction I'm going in, I think I need to go in a different direction. But then they think, you know what? I've spent so much time on this. I've spent so much effort. I've put so much money into this that they just keep on trying to force it in that direction when really they should just be stopping. So I would say that, you know, do not be afraid to stop and say, I think I'm going in the wrong direction. And perhaps I need to, you know, kind of look look back and kind of maybe, you know, start from square one again. And I think this is also just something that humans in general have to do. I think all of us have at some point been in a relationship, which we're not supposed to be in. And it's like, I really don't want to sit down with myself and have a conversation about this relationship because I might realize that I'm going to have to drop this or end this. And again, I guess the last thing I'll say is that failure is not the end. I believe that as a business owner, you know, you're going to fail multiple times. You might fail multiple times within the same business. You might fail in other businesses, you know, just get up. It's, it's part of the adventure of being an entrepreneur. I know it's traumatizing. It's painful. But when you see yourself failing, yes, take your moment to, you know, to cry and mourn and then, you know, get up again, do the next thing, but don't give up on yourself. I think that's the key thing. I, I love that you, you mentioned all these great points and you told us it's not afraid. It's not, it's, it's not an issue. Don't be afraid to change directions, to stop pushing this product or service, to pivot your business in a different direction. But to do that, you need time to strategize going back to what you said earlier and take that time, apply the business model to do that analysis, to create that strategy and to determine where you're going. But I think the, one of the things that I heard also is failure is not the end. I think failure is maybe the end of one idea or adventure, but it's actually the beginning of something even better because out of failure, we can create things that are better. And I come up, I, I grew up in a system where failure was a no-no, like you just never wanted to fail. And it keeps us trapped in, in a fixed mindset in some ways. It keeps us trapped with things that might not be the most effective. And if we can embrace failure, I know that sounds really scary for some of us, but if we can embrace 
failure and change because maybe we're not failing but you know there's something that we could do better then our businesses can just be shaped in so many different ways for success and uh, I, I love that advice and I love that you're tackling these things that we're afraid to do and that you're you give very clear hands-on processes on how to to conceptualize or change or grow a business well, I'm, I'm, I'm glad that what I'm sharing is, is useful. Sometimes it's like, I kind of feel like a mad scientist, like, oh, so, you know, this is what I've learned. I kind of, I blew up my face this one time doing this thing. So don't do that. So, yeah, I mean, I, I kind of feel like, you know, part of, I always say that part of my, my journey and my purpose as a, as, as a person outside of, you know, being a, a startup coach is, you know, I give people permission when someone asks me, you know, Nicolette, what do you do for the world? I say, I give people permission because a lot of the times, you know, people have ideas, they have concepts, they've got things that they want to do, but because, you know, the world has kind of geared us to want to be safe, to want to, you know, do the things that are less risky. I find that what most people get from me is, you know, they tell me the idea and I'm like, Hey, you know, go for it like why not like you have permission and I think that's what a lot of people are waiting for because they think you know should I what right do I have to do that thing and then also you know when you failed then it's kind of like oh well you know then now everyone is going to say I told you so and part of what I do is say yeah yeah you're going to fail okay so what yeah okay <laughs> it's like oh you failed that's so terrible okay okay like next like what's the next adventure don't dwell on it so yeah mm -hmm. I like that what's the next adventure don't dwell and move on as as we come to a close with the interview today do you have any final thoughts advice or would you like to share anything that I didn't get a chance to ask you well I'd like to say that um being realistic is very important but at the same time while it's important to be realistic, you also need to be inspired and you need to live a life that is inspired. And sometimes you can't plan for everything. I'm just going to be honest. If, if we want to find safety, you know, we can, we can plot and plan and strategize as much as we want. Sometimes, you know, life isn't going to go the way that we want it to go. But the key thing is that we need to give ourselves a break, you know, allow ourselves to, to, to grow from what has happened. And part of that is recognizing if we have particular traits that, you know, cause us to really bear down on ourselves, be overly critical of ourselves. You know, sometimes you say, oh, we're perfectionists. And it's kind of like, okay, you're a perfectionist. I know. And I'm a perfectionist to a certain point. Then it's like, well, where does that come from? What is the root cause of that? And is it that, do I want to live my life in this constant state of perfectionism. So I would say it's very, very important to be realistic, but at the same time to live an inspired life. And at the same time to be very introspective, like take some time to sit with, with yourself, which I think is something that a lot of people don't wanna do. Um, whether you succeed or fail as an entrepreneur, whether you get the results that you want, it's all gonna be on you, not on anyone else. So I can give an example that um, you can, you know, maybe say, oh, you know, I wanna be a millionaire one day, that is your goal. Whether or not you'll be happy as a millionaire is on you because, you know, it's, it's very important for you to analyze your motives because, again, your business is one thing, but you as a person, you're also, you know, another thing. And I feel like, you know, the sweet spot for entrepreneurs is when we achieve our financial goals, but those financial goals also align with our personal goals. You don't want to be that millionaire who has sacrificed their family, their friends, all the important relationships in their lives. But I'm a success. I'm a millionaire. I'm a billionaire, you know. so. 
be introspective, even with your own desires or with your own fears, you know, uh, take some time to even turn that around. You know, we've talked about strategizing for your business, taking a bird's eye view. It's also important for you to take a strategy, a strategic perspective and a bird's eye view of who you are as a person and be honest with yourself. You know, if you're prone to pushing people away or to, you know, um, living a, a life of making decisions where the means justifies the end, you know, and you know, and you know, you know that you know that that's not who you want to be then you also need to sit down and do that work you know because you want to build a great business but you also want to build a great life and life is not just business so it's important to be realistic inspired and introspective I as well love this advice thank you because I think we focus so much on the business or the job or this or that and we forget to focus on living an inspired life it's not just the work uh, it's our lives. And I love that your approach combines the business owner and the business. So I think a lot of times we just focus on the business and we don't include both and we don't merge them because they truly are interconnected. So this is uh, definitely inspiring. It It's perfect timing as I plan for 2022 for my own business. But I think anyone listening, whether you're thinking about starting a business, whether you work in a business or whether you want to pivot or grow or change or strategize for your business, I think all of us can get so much out of this interview today. So Nicolette, thank you so much for joining me today for coffee and an interview. It's been an amazing pleasure getting to know you and learning so much from your process. Thank you very much for having me. Um, I love this. Uh, this was an amazing conversation. Definitely inspiring. Thank you so much. And to everyone listening, again, all the resources are in the description. Doesn't matter which platform you use. You might be able to click on the link or you might have to copy and paste into a browser, but you'll see all these resources listed in the description for this episode. And thank you for listening to Coffee in an Interview.